Section 10 of How the Codex Was Found by Margaret Dunlop Gibson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 10. St. Sylvia of Aquitaine. Although we were the first women who had ever worked in the convent library, we were by no means the first who have traveled to Sinai and established friendly relations with its monks. During the reign of the Emperor Theodosius, as is supposed, i.e. between A.D. 385 and 388, St. Sylvia, a native of Aquitaine, undertook a pilgrimage to the holy places of the East, and has left behind her a journal, the beginning of which is unhappily lost, but which contains a very faithful description of the scenery around Sinai, nearly a century before the present convent was built. She bears witness to the fact that a community of monks had established themselves around the well of Jethro at that early period, and a few quotations from her diary will suffice to show that they were of the same kind and hospitable disposition as we found in their successors of the present day. We arrived at a certain place, says Sylvia, where the mountains betwixt which we were travelling opened out into a huge, wide, and very fair valley. Note the great plain Erraha, End of note. And beyond this valley there appeared the Mount of God, Sinai. The very spot where the mountains opened is joined to the place in which are the traditions of the murmuring. When we arrived at this spot, the guides reminded us of it, saying, It is customary for those who come to offer a prayer here, when the Mount of God is first seen from this place. And this we did. The distance thence to the Mount of God is about four miles in all, through the valley, which I said was a great one. It is a very extensive valley, lying under the side of the Mount of God, which measures, as far as we could estimate by seeing, or as the people themselves said, in length about sixty thousand paces, in breadth about four thousand. We had to cross this valley in order to reach the mountain. This is the huge and wide valley in which the children of Israel sojourned in those days, when St. Moses ascended into the Mount of God, and was there forty days and forty nights. This is the valley in which the calf was made. The place is shown to this day, for a great stone stands fixed on the very spot. This, therefore, is the very same valley at the head of which is the place where St. Moses, whilst feeding the flocks of his father-in-law, was spoken to by God in the burning bush. And whereas our path was such that, first we had to ascend the mount of God which here appears, the ascent was better from where we had come, and from thence again we must descend to the head of the valley, that is, to where the bush was, note, where the present monastery stands, end of note, because the descent from the mountain of God was better there. It was pleasant, therefore, when we had seen everything we wished to see in descending the mount of God, to come to the place of the bush, and thus across all the valley itself, which is lengthways, and to return with the holy men who showed us the different places that are written about in that selfsame valley, and this we did. Therefore, as we were coming from that place, where on the way from Pharaon, note, Phiron, the ancient Rephidim, end of note, we offered a prayer. The path was such that we crossed over that very great valley, and thus arrived at the Mount of God. As you go round about the mountain, it appears to be one, though when you get within it there are many, but the whole is called the Mount of God, especially the one on whose summit, note, Jebel Katarina, question mark, 
end of note, is the place where the glory of God descended, as it is written, and it is in the middle of them all. And while all these mountains that are in the group are more glorious than I had ever expected to see, yet the one in the middle, on which the glory of God descended, is so much higher than all the others, that when we approached it, straightway all these mountains, which had appeared to us glorious, seemed but as little hills. It is very wonderful, and without the grace of God I do not think it could have been, that whilst the middle one is higher than all, and is specially called Sinai, that is, where the glory of God descended, nevertheless it cannot be seen unless you come to its very root before you ascend it, and after you have accomplished your wish, you will descend thence, and look at it from the opposite side, which before you ascended you could not have done. But before we arrived at the Mount of God, we knew this from the replies of the brethren, and when I arrived at the place, I understood it clearly to be so. We made our entry into the mountain on a Sabbath evening, and we arrived at a certain monastery, where the monks who dwelt there received us very kindly, showing us every attention. For there is a church here with a presbytery, therefore we remained the night, that very early on the Lord's day we might begin to climb the different mountains with the presbyter and the monks who dwelt there mountains which are ascended with infinite labor, because you do not go up them slowly and slowly like a snail, but straight up you go, as if it were a wall, and you are obliged to descend each of these mountains till you get down to the very root of that middle mountain, which is specially Sinai. And there, with the help of Christ our Lord, aided by the prayers of the saints who accompanied us, I accomplished the ascent, and with great labor, for I was obliged to ascend on foot, as I could not go up in the saddle. Nevertheless, this labor was not felt, because the desires I had I saw fulfilled with the help of God. About the fourth hour we arrived at the summit of Sinai, that holy mount of God where the law was given, and there is the place where the glory of God descended on the day when the mountain smoked. And in that spot there is now a little church, because the said place, which is the summit of the mountain, is not very large. But nevertheless, the church has of itself great grace. When then, with the help of God, we ascended to that summit, and arrived at the door of that church, behold, the presbyter met us, coming from his monastery, which is considered to belong to the church, a healthy old man, a monk of what is called the ascetic life here, one, moreover, who is worthy to be in this place. Other presbyters also came to meet us, but not all the monks who dwell here close to the mountain, that is, those who are not prevented by weakness or age. But one dwells at the summit of the middle mountain, for there is nothing else there save only the church and the cave where St. Moses was. Having read in the very place all from the book of Moses, and having made an offering in due order, and we having partaken of the communion, just as we were going out of the church, the presbyters of the same place gave us thank-offerings. Note. Eulogias. Just as the monks of the present day gave us occasionally gifts of dates, pomegranates, delicious quince jelly, almonds, and date brandy. End of note. That is, gifts of apples, oranges, which grow in the mountain itself. For although the hoary mountain of Sinai is all stony and has no corn, nevertheless below, near the root of these mountains, that is, both about the one in the middle and about those that surround it, there are little rills 
and the holy monks plant young trees diligently about them, and establish little apple gardens or houses of prayer, and near to them monasteries, so that they gather a little fruit from the earth of the mountain itself, and these they cultivate with their own hands. Then, after we had communicated, and these holy men had given us eulogias, and we had gone out of the door of the church, then I began to request them to show us the different places, and forthwith these holy men deigned to do so, for they pointed out to us the very cave where St. Moses was, when he ascended the second time into the Mount of God, that he might receive again the tablets after he had broken them on account of the people's sin, and other places, whatever we desired, or those that they knew better about, they deigned to show us. Egypt also, and Palestine, and the Red Sea, and the Mara Parthenicum, which reaches to Alexandria, and also the faraway borders of the Saracens, we saw below us, as I think was hardly possible. But all these different things the holy men declared to us. Having then fulfilled every desire which had impelled us to ascend, we began to descend from the summit of the Mount of God, and went up to another mountain, note Jebel Musa, end of note, which is joined to it, and is the place called Horeb. Here also there is a church, for this place is Horeb, where St. Elijah the prophet was, to which he fled from the face of King Ahab, where God spake to him, saying, What doest thou here, Elijah? As it is written in the book of the Kings, For here the cave where St. Elijah was hid is seen today before the door of the church which is there. A stone altar also is seen, which St. Elijah himself placed there to sacrifice to God, as these holy men deigned to show us. We made an oblation and a long prayer, and read a portion of the Book of Kings. This we desired very much to do always, and wherever we went we always read a portion of the book about it. Having made an offering there, we went immediately to another place not far from it, the presbyters and monks showing us, that is, to the place, note, the hill now called by the Arabs Harun, end of note, where St. Aaron stood with the seventy elders, while St. Moses received from God the law for the children of Israel. For in that place, although it has no roof, nevertheless there is a huge rock having a flat surface on the top, on which these holy men are said to have stood, and in the midst of it they had made an altar of stones. So we read here the very place in the book of Moses, and repeated a psalm suitable to the spot, and having offered a prayer, we descended thence. It now began to be about the eighth hour, and we had still three miles to go before we could leave the mountain region that we had entered the night before, but we had not to go out at the same place by which we had made our way, but, as I said above, necessity was laid upon us to visit all the holy places and to see all the monasteries that were there, and thus to go out at the head of the valley which I described above, that is, which lies below the Mount of God. Therefore it was necessary for us to go out at the head of that valley, because there were in it many monasteries of holy men, and a church in the place where the bush is, the bush that is green to this day, and sends out shoots. We thus went down from the Mount of God, and arrived at the bush about the tenth hour. In front of the church there is a beautiful garden, note, the very garden in which our tents were pitched, end of note, having abundance of fine water, and in this garden is the bush itself. Near to it also the place is shown where St. Moses stood when God said to him, Loose the latchet of thy shoe, etc., 
and when we arrived at this place it was already the tenth hour, and because it was so late we could not make an offering. But prayer was made in the church, and also near the bush in the garden, and we read the very place in the book of Moses, according to our custom. And because it was late, we supped in the garden before the bush with the holy men themselves, and we encamped there. And waking next morning, very early, we begged the presbyters that an offering should be made, and this was done. The holy men began to show us the various places as we went away from the bush. They pointed out to us the place where the tents of the children of Israel were in those days, when Moses was in the mountain. They showed us also the place where the calf was made, for a great stone is fixed in that place unto this day. We also, as we went, saw before us the summit of the mountain that looks down over all the valley, from which place St. Moses saw the children of Israel dancing in those days when they made the calf. They showed us also a great stone in the place where St. Moses descended with Joshua, the son of Nun. Close to this stone he waxed wroth and broke the tablets which he was carrying. They showed us also in what manner each of them had his dwelling in this valley. The foundations of these dwellings appear to this day as if they were surrounded by stone. They showed us also the place where St. Moses ordered the children of Israel to run from gate to gate, he returning to the mountain. Note Exodus chapter 32, verse 27. End of note. Then they showed us the place where the calf was burnt, which Aaron had made for them by order of Moses. Likewise, they showed us the stream from which St. Moses gave to drink to the children of Israel, as it is written in Exodus. They showed us also the place where the seventy men received some of the spirit of Moses. They showed us also the place where the children of Israel lusted for food. They also pointed out to us the place which is called the conflagration, because part of the tents were burnt there. Note. Numbers chapter 11, verse 3. End of note. Then the fire ceased when Moses prayed. They showed us also the place where manna and quails rained on them. And thus the various things which are written in the books of St. Moses as having been done in this place, namely this valley, which, as I said, lies under the mount of God, the holy Sinai, were shown to us, which it would be enough if I wrote them all singly, because no one could retain so much. But when you read the holy books of Moses with devotion, all things are more closely seen which were done here. For this is the valley where the Passover was celebrated, when a year had passed from the departure of the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, because in that valley the children of Israel remained some time, that is, while St. Moses ascended into the mount of God, and descended the first and second times, and again they remained there for some time while the tabernacle was being made, and the various things which were shown in the mount of God. The same day we met with some very holy monks, who on account of their age or imbecility cannot go to the mount of God to make offerings, but who nevertheless deigned to take us into their monasteries. Thus having seen all the holy places which we desired, and all the places where the children of Israel passed going and coming to the mount of God, having seen also the holy men who dwelt there, we returned to Pharaoh in the name of God. And we ought to give thanks to God in everything, I will not say in so many and such things as he has deigned to confer upon me, an unworthy woman of no merit, that I should walk about all the places of which I was not worthy. Nor can I sufficiently thank all these holy men who deigned to take my little self with a willing mind into their monasteries, and lead me about through all those places which I asked about, according to the scriptures.' 
Many also of these holy men themselves, who dwelt in the mountain of God or round about it, deigned to accompany us to Pharaon, those at least who were stronger in body. We refer those of our readers who wish to know more of St. Sylvia's diary to the story itself, in the original Latin, by J. F. Gamorini, Rome, ex typis, Vaticanis, 1888. There they will learn how she went to Jerusalem and witnessed all the ceremonies of Passion Week, how she heard short sermons from the bishop and from all the presbyters in turn, proving to us that such exhortations were more common in the Greek church of the fourth century than they are now, how she went to the burial place of Job and also to Haran, to the very spot where Eliezer met with Rebekah. The whole diary throws a flood of light on the state of Eastern Christendom before the fall of the Roman Empire, and proves that the love of adventure is by no means a new phenomenon in our sex. This fourth-century narrative of a woman's experience, before a stone of the present venerable monastery was laid, is singularly like our own. Sylvia discovered no manuscripts, for the oldest of those now existing had then hardly begun to be written. She must have carried with her manuscripts of the Pentateuch and of the Book of Kings, and she succeeded in seeing a supposed letter of our Lord to Abga, king of Edessa. A more modern coincidence deserves to be noted. For the first two years of our residence in Cambridge, we occupied a semi-detached house, and were, during that time, under the same roof as one of Canon Curitan's married daughters. As my sister could not obtain even a second-hand copy of the Curitan Gospels for love or money, this lady very kindly lent her her father's own copy, to take with us on our second visit to Sinai. The following lines were written by my sister for her Christmas card in the winter of 1892. Caris Epicaritus One more year since Christ was like us in a tent of clay. One year less till he shall take us home for a. Oh, how bright the path before us! Oh, how great the glory o'er us! Oh, how strong the hand that tore us from sin's sway! One year less of toil and trouble till we see his face. Each new step will gain us double in our race. Less and less of tears and sinning, more and more of work and winning, joy that ends in fresh beginning, grace for grace. End of section 10. Recording by Hannah Mary.